I recently read a synopsis of a play by Chicago playwrights, Michael James Allen and Brett Beaudry. It went like this. The Jesus Christ murder mystery is a hilarious two-man comedy, incorporating quick costume changes and a variety of off-the-wall characters. The play tells the story of our intrepid hero, Inspector Plotpoint, an Agatha Christie-style detective who boards a bus to ancient Judea in order to solve one of history's greatest mysteries, who killed Jesus Christ. Along with his blissfully naive and painfully American sidekick, Dr. No Name, Plot Point interrogates all the familiar faces, Pontius Pilate, Caiaphas, Lazarus, and even all 12 apostles at once, as well as some new ones, like Mr. Chumley, the rope salesman who sold Judas his noose, and Gary, leader of the newly founded Church of Gary. Even Agatha Christie pops up to offer plot point advice on just how a murder mystery operates. The Jesus Christ murder mystery is a riotous comedy filled with shocks, twists, and just a dash of commentary on the nature and practice of religion. Well, I don't know about you, but I can't resist a mystery, except for maybe the one I've just described. But one of my earliest memories of being utterly entranced as a child was sitting on the living room floor, completely consumed by the 1980s BBC production of Agatha Christie's Miss Marple. Joan Hickson was the consummate Miss Marple, with her silver hair, knitted cardigans and sharp eyesight. I still remember the thrill when another character called her Nemesis, his avenging angel. As a chorister accustomed to hearing this mythic and biblical language, the spinster detective seemed just that, an instrument of justice and truth, shining the light of logic into the murkier aspects of human existence and finding there some unsavoury truths about the condition of our human hearts. The grey-haired avenging angel might seem a rather odd role model for a ten-year-old, but she was mine, her and Maria from The Sound of Music. I was a very mixed-up child. Maybe Maria was a more suitable role model for a ten-year-old girl than a woman whose penetrating gaze saw beyond guns and arsenic to the treachery, avarice and deceit practised all too frequently by the supporting cast. Or maybe not. Dorothy L. Sayers, theologian and crime writer, said, Death seems to provide the minds of the Anglo-Saxon race with a greater fund of amusement than any other single subject. And I'm moved to agree. Crime has its own section in Waterstones, which is all you need to know about the sales figures. The Telegraph quoted Lee Child, the British thriller writer of the Jack Reacher novels, as saying, in the decade following 9-11, I believe crime fiction has become 
more important in people's lives. It gratifies their desire for safety and security and the rule of law. Because at the end of crime novels, order is restored. In an uncertain world, it seems that there, we are more than happy to find a few bodies. As long as we can be guaranteed that Jack Reacher or Miss Marple or Adam Dalgleish or here in Oxford, your own Endeavour Morse, will swoop in at the end and return us to the order that was stolen by the greatest disorder of all, death. Murder mysteries nearly always start with a body, and the body forms the question. Resolution comes when the murderer is discovered and either the long arm of the law takes the culprit in hand, or fate deals a blow for justice. This evening, our gospel reading begins with a body, a missing body. Jesus of Nazareth, that upstart preacher that went about and got himself so far up the noses of the big boys that they wanted him dead. This was not the ending that his followers had been expecting. After they'd witnessed Jesus' mania sweep through the streets, I imagine they were having their own visions of glory. The screaming crowds, people wanting to get close to the man, or failing that, one of his followers. All that must have been a pretty intoxicating mix. Instead, the man they'd placed all of their hope in was taken away from them and their own lives put in danger. Then Jesus is condemned to death, crucified along with common criminals. The dream is over. Hope is shattered. And so when some of his followers approach the tomb, they're expecting a body to mourn, and instead they find an absence. Not just any absence, but one heralded by the angel of the Lord. It is the beginning of a new mystery. The sight of the angel is so terrible that the keepers of the grave become like dead men. The angel invites the women to see the evidence for themselves, but they're too scared to do much by way of crime scene investigation. They want to be on their way, far away from the scene of disorder. And so the angel sends them back to the others with the message that Jesus has risen. But people can be unreliable. What if they don't understand what the angel meant? And so Jesus himself appears before them. There is weeping and great joy at the sight of him. But the mystery isn't solved. Instead, it is deepened. Who is this man that he can be absent yet present, dead yet alive? The resurrection didn't solve the mystery of Jesus' mission, purpose and identity. 2,000 years of theology has barely scraped the surface and has come to wildly differing conclusions. 
And this is where I begin to find myself comparing my two vocations as priest and writer. My job as a crime writer is to lead the reader into a mystery, to make the reader care enough about the characters that they don't mind being taken down a few blind alleys, fed a few red herrings, trusting that in the end, truth will be rewarded enough for the journey taken. I have to play fair, never introduce the murderer in the final chapter, or do anything else that would betray the trust of the reader. My job as a priest is remarkably similar. It's not to have all the answers at my disposal, dispensing wisdom and justice to the flock, but rather to guide them into the mystery of God, a mystery that is not solved, but deepened by the events of Easter. Now, if you've ever tried telling someone from Wigan that you want to lead them into mystery, you'll know that the answer is not always polite. People, particularly people in the pews of the Church of England, want clear-cut answers. Jesus died to save us from our sins. By his resurrection, we are raised to new life. In my recent confirmation classes, I found that most 11-year-olds could recite this back to me, no problem at all. It is the perfect ending, satisfying and easily understood. Son of God teaches a new relationship with the Father, bad guys arrest and kill Jesus, heavenly justice is dispensed and Jesus is raised to new life and us through him. It's a cracker, a story that beats the sails of even the Da Vinci Code. It's the kind of ending we look for in crime fiction. The kind of ending that leaves us with the sense of safety that Lee Child spoke about. When I hear my parishioners talk about their faith, it is precisely this story that I am told. Nice and neat with a happy ending. It's only when they come across tragedy and death that they begin to question the story. They begin to wonder where their happy ending has gone. This is the problem of the neatness of Sunday school faith. There's no room left for messiness and uncertainty. No room for controversy and debate. But this messiness is uncomfortable, even for those of us who rather like a good mystery. We don't feel safe and secure. But I'm not sure that Jesus ever promised safe and secure. I have a feeling that living with the mystery is part of the deal. Mysteries invite us in. They engage us in the search for truth. To live with the mystery of Easter is to keep searching for the truth about God, to continue to engage with the mystery of God, to live with the vagaries as we discover what it means 
to continue the story of Jesus Christ through the journeys of our own lives. So unlike the detective of fiction, we can be assured of no definites, no final revelation this side of heaven. Father Martin in P.D. James's Death in Holy Orders sums this up when he tells Adam Dalgleish, that's your job, searching for truth. You never get the whole truth, of course. How could you? You're a very clever man, but what you do doesn't result in justice. There's the justice of men and the justice of God. In the end, through the trials and tribulations of life, God's justice remains a mystery to us. But maybe that's how it's meant to be. Maybe that's the thing that drives us forward to keep searching, nonetheless. Amen.